Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, what a weekend we just had. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good time, I tell you. We really had a good time for Shirley Ralph, and she said some things, Brian, that's going to stick with me until I leave this earth. Yes, absolutely. You know, she is one just awesome, powerful, and definitely dedicated woman. Yes. And, you know, what she's been blessed with and her talent is just amazing. Yes. You know, for those that um, don't listen to our show that often or if you're just a new listener, we actually had a show down here in Tallahassee, Florida that Sometimes I Cry event, and it was hosted by MACA, which is a Minority AIDS Action, uh, I'm sorry, Minority Alliance, uh, and they deal with HIV AIDS prevention, and the show was uh, headlined by Cheryl Lee Ralph. It was her one-woman show where she shows the plight of women and, and that are dealing with HIV, and the show was just, wow, it was in your face. It was real. That's that was the thing that, you know, we kept hearing. Yes, yes. Especially after the show when we interviewed uh, about twenty five people and that was the number one thing that came out. Uh she was real. The thing she said was real. And Brian, you know what? The guest that we're gonna have on tonight, I don't know if we're gonna cut away for commercials because uh this this, this gentleman that we have tonight is is on point. He's in your face a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he's telling you what you need to hear, whether you need to hear it or not. And I tell you what, at the end of the show, you will want to go out and buy his book. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny when I when I saw the when I finally actually read the topic because I knew what the topic was, but when I actually read it, it made me really think about you know, what we're going to discuss today, and it was like, wow. You know, most people never even think about this. Yes. yes. You know, no, most people never even, you know, they don't talk about it. They It never even comes to their mind until after the fact. Mm-hmm. You know. After the after the relationship is it's gone, it's, it's, I mean, it's almost impossible to recover from some some of the things that, you know, as a couple that you go through that you wouldn't think about until it's over with. Right. You know, tonight's topic is called Dignity at Risk. What's your answer going to be? And tonight we have on our as our special guest, best-selling author Brian Lynch. Mr. Lynch, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, Mr. welcome Lynch. again. We're we love to have you on. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, man, I tell I you what, that. we are, we are, we're pleased to have you on, and we thank you again. We thank you for coming on because I really believe that you're going to bless a lot of people. You blessed us last time. Uh, the last time that you were on, we were on for two hours. Uh huh. And all of the ladies that called in said it wasn't long enough. Bring him back on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and I think most of the reason was that you were giving out. So much information, right? And that those two hours just literally flew by. I know, you know, because even you know, even though I'm thinking, wow, two hour show, and we're gonna talk to one person for two hours, we're gonna run out of stuff to talk about. Nah, we hadn't even scratched me. the surface, <laughs> and it was two hours gone by. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That is so true because you know, there's there's so much that you can talk about relationships and. You know that that's just my subject. And okay. With with this book, it opens a lot of doors, and you know it gives you an opportunity to look at relationships from both sides of the table. And I find very few books that do that. And when I say very few, I mean very few books. Even you know books that are written by the PhD professionals. You know that really look at relationships from every aspect that a relationship can be looked at. And for the simple fact that I took the time 
I didn't want to finish a book in two months or three months like most authors do. Mm-hmm. You know, this book, I started writing this book in 2003, and I got it published last year. And, well, actually, I, I stopped writing it. I finished writing it in, um, my mistake, I started writing it in 2004, and I stopped writing it in 2005. So on and off for two years, I was writing this book because after I write certain passages, you know, just writing it asks me questions. And I was like, okay, how do you answer that question? So I, I literally had to go out there and do research mm. to get the answers that I needed. You know, because I realized that if I give my opinion, then it's just going to be my opinion. And even though, you know, people are still going to look at this as my opinion, but... Ooh. Hold Okay, I think someone picked up my other phone. Sorry about that. No but um, even though this is my opinion, with the amount of research that I did, it's as close as close to the truth as you can get. Because these answers are, you know, these, these scenarios are not coming from just Brian Lynch. It's coming from, you know, so many different people that I've talked to. And, you know, I'm talking about not 100 people, not 200 people. I'm talking about over 2,500 different people that I've interviewed during that time. Mm-hmm. So with this topic, dignity at risk, what's your answer going to be? We find that in a lot of situations that, you know, people get into situations where a person will ask them to make a decision. And when they think about the decision, they realize that, hey, this is not matching up with my moralistic beliefs. So how do I handle that? You know, how do you handle... You're a mother with, a, with, with maybe, let's not even say two or three kids. You're a mother with a child, and you're a single mother, and you're not working, and no food to eat, a crying six-month-old child, hungry, haven't been fed the first meal of the day yet, and, you know, somebody who professed to be a neighbor and a friend you know, comes along and you say, hey, can I get $20? You know, my baby's hungry, and I don't have anything to eat, you know, and, I, and I, I'm not working. I just, you know, can I get $20 to buy my baby something to eat? Well, yeah, I can, you, yeah you can get $20, but what am I going to get for it? You know, that that's the answer that she's getting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right right there, he's questioning her dignity. And he's basically asking you, what are you going to do for this $20? And right. you find and that and these situations are not are no longer scenarios. They're reality. These, these, these are reality. You know, women are going through this on a day-to-day basis. Right now, as we're speaking, it's possible that someone is out there going through that right now or I've been through it a few minutes ago right and you know Mr. Lynch one of the things I thought about um, I was actually watching the news earlier today and they were talking about the anniversary of Anna Nicole Smith Mm -hmm. death and normally I don't you know really pay much attention to the media stuff like that you know crazy stuff they do but they had her former bodyguard on Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how Anna Nicole was basically looking for uh, a, a, a good-looking person to basically have a child with, and that's right. how she ended up picking Mr. Burkhead. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and it made me think, I'm like, wow, you know, that's really a dignified thing to do, and it kind of fell in line with what, we've talk, what we're going to talk about tonight. Right. You know, where's the dignity in that? You know, you're not looking for a good father. You're looking for a good, you know, gene pool, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, and 
sadly enough, you hear a lot of people do that. Right. They they like this person because they have good hair. Oh, mm-hmm. I want my child to have good hair, right. or I want my child to to uh, have a parent that has a lot of money or a lot of status. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, where's the dignity in that? Right, and and there's none. You know, there's none. If that's all, you know, if, if that's the only reason why you want to have a child with this person, then you know, you ask the right question. Where's the dignity in that? And there's none, and not until people allow their moralistic beliefs to control their decision, there will be none. You know, there are times that you're going to be tested. Your dignity is always going to be in question, you know, when you make some very major decisions. You know, it's something that's going to be questioned on a day-to-day basis, most likely on an hour-to-hour basis. And it's not just women. It comes with men, too, because when a woman needs something for her child to eat, and this is what this story, you know, this is just the scenario I use for this story. Because there's so many different scenarios that you can use. But I chose this one for because it was so close I, you know, I basically had to change the name in certain situations just to protect the identity of the innocent. And But when you look at a man saying to a woman that, hey, if I'm not getting something for this $20, then you need to go find the father of your child and let him give you the money, you know, this situation is also, it's not only questioning her dignity, it's questioning his. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you consider yourself a man, then why do you need a woman to degrade herself to your low standards to get $20 to buy her something to eat? You know, why do you need a woman to lay on her back to give you some, to, to, to get something from from her you to for her child to to um eat yeah you know i i think that's just you have to be pretty low exactly first of all to even make a statement like that right but then to follow through with it i mean come on well let me ask this um mr lynch what about the women that are chasing the actors the guys in the major sports, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, that want to have kids by these guys that mm-hmm. are flying all over the place, chasing these guys or asking these guys to fly me to your game, and they fly them out to the game for the weekend, and they, here they are in the hotel. They're never seen with the with the star, whoever it is, and they're lying on their backs. All right. It's a as a, as a As a sperm bag or sperm uh mm-hmm. Uh, donor or whatever, you know, the, the guy is to her. And it's okay because what is she really trying to get? I understand I know a lot of men do a lot of dirty things, mm-hmm. but we also have to add in, too, that uh, there are a lot of women out there that are doing things uh, that you would question their dignity. You're right. You are so right. And her motive in that can be seen from two different sides, you know, two different ways that Either she's after money, because she figure, okay, well, if I can get pregnant for this guy, then this is going to be a lifetime thing because he has to take care of his child, and if he if he don't do it willingly, then I'm gonna get the court to force him to do it. You know, so you have women that think, you know, this is their premeditated plan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something that happens by accident. You know, this is their premeditated plan where if I can get pregnant for this person, then he has to take care of his child. As much as you see so many men out there that don't take care of their, their kids, you know, oh, no, he's going to take care of mine because I'm different. You know, you still have women who think that, hey, 
I'm better than you. I don't know what you're doing wrong, but he's going to take care of mine. He has six kids out there that he's not taking care of, but yes, he's going to take care of yours. Mm-hmm. You know, you still have women who think like that. And it's sad to know that they they think that way because, you know, you ask the right question. Where's their dignity? Let me ask you this, Mr. Mr. Do you think it's that they think that they can change him? Yeah. A lot of them think that, you know, I look better than you. I'm sexier than you. He's going to like me and... You know, he's going to love my child because my child is going to be pretty. And and they don't realize that, hey, he doesn't take care of the child simply because this is who he is. He has nothing to do with looks uh, or no matter how sexy you are. You cannot change a person who does not want to be changed. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, people re- need to realize that change comes from within not from any outside influence. Mm-hmm. You know, a person has to be able to look at themselves and say, hey, you know what? I need to stop doing these things because it does not reflect my character very well. It does not portray me to be a very good, upstanding citizen. It does not look good. You know, I wonder what people think of me to know that, hey... I make all this money, regardless of even how much money you make. I have all these kids, and I'm not taking care of any of them. You know, what 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 do people think have to say about you? You know, not until that person can look within themselves and say, I need to do better. You know, I need to be a person of integrity. You know, where people can look at me and say, hey... He's a reputable person. He he he's a responsible person. He's not the type to do things, get a woman pregnant, and then leave her alone. Right. You know, I, I think when when you and when you're dealing with those type of people, you have to have a certain amount of respect for yourself. I think that's really what it's all about. You're right. You know, you tend to be more dignified when you have respect for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, if you have respect for yourself, then consequently you tend to have respect for others. Right. You know, because most of the time you find somebody that's just belligerent and rude and just ugly and, you know, dirty and filthy. They usually have that mindset because they don't respect themselves. They don't have enough respect for, you know, who they are. Exactly. So they definitely don't respect you and who you are. That is so true. But let me ask a question. What about uh, people who are, like, dishonest in business? You know, I was watching a show. I'm, I'm, I tend to watch a lot of TV, you know, before I do my radio shows because it, it seems to give me, you know, things to think about and talk about in my shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was watching this show where they had the police and they were going after the people who were tearing up hotel rooms during uh, spring break weekend or something like that. And the guy at the hotel was saying, uh, the owner was saying, well, you don't get your deposit back if you tear up the place. Right. You know, and and there was a young lady there, and she was upset because she's like, well, I didn't tear it up. Mm -hmm. You know, these guys came in my room, and, you know, they tore the room up, but we were going to clean it up. Mm -hmm. But instead, the guy decided, instead of letting them clean the room up, you know, he just threw them out of the hotel, right. and he didn't give them their deposit back. Mm. You know, and the girl was upset. You know, and I'm thinking, at first I felt bad because I'm like, well, she doesn't have anywhere to stay. But then I remembered, you know, she put like $250 down on a deposit right. for a room that she didn't get to spend a night in. Wow. You know, so I'm like, you know, who was more, who who did the more dignified thing? Hmm. You know, was it was it dignified for him to put her out because she she technically broke the rules, or was it you know less dignified because he knew he had already taken you know four hundred dollars from her, right? And then he put her out, and she hadn't spent the night there yet. I think it was wrong for him to put her out because for the simple fact that she she offered to clean it up, mm-hmm. you know, at least give her the opportunity to clean it up. And being that he negate to do so, then the responsibility is now on him. 
you know, because she offered to correct the wrong which was done, and he refused to allow her to do that. You know, and I think that he doesn't have a case until, you know, regardless if she broke the rules. You know, if if the person correct attempt to correct it, then at least he could say, okay, well, I want you to clean it up. But if it does, if it's not clean properly, then you know you take it from there. You know, so he he could at least give her the opportunity to clean it up. I think throwing her out was just a way to make a quick buck. Mm-hmm. All right. Ms. Lynch, we're going to go to commercial break, and when we come back, we'll have a little more discussion on that issue. No, okay. All right, we'll be right back. What's up? We're boys to men. How do we educate our kids so they have a fighting chance in today's world? We don't have to tell you that children face pretty tough challenges these days. We adults need to go the extra mile to make sure our kids find something in school that really sparks their interest, like music. Teenagers who study music and arts tend to find tough science and math concepts easier to grasp. It has to do with development of something called spatial IQ. And music and creativity go together too. We know from our own lives that teachers who appreciate creative thinking embrace our love of music. So, help prepare your children for life. Encourage them to learn to love music. A PSA brought to you by MENC, the National Association for Music Education, Gibson Guitar, Baldwin Piano, and this station. March is Music in Our Schools Month. Music, part of a sound education. Hey, Justin, Sarah. Hi, Ricky. Hi. Hey, listen. I just heard about some kids who might try to get some beer. So? Why are you telling us? Yeah. Well, because I thought maybe we could go and, you know, drink. Why? Um, because, I guess because it's cool. Cool? Why is it cool? Well, you know, we can go and get wasted. And why would we want to get wasted? Well, remember that time when we heard some older kids talking about doing it? So? Why should we do it? Well, I guess... I guess I don't know. Sooner or later, someone may ask you if you want a drink. If that ever happens to you, maybe there's something you should ask them. Like why? Because the fact is, most kids don't drink. Even older kids. So think about it. There's no good reason to drink. Want to know more? Check out thecoolspot.org. If someone you love has a problem with drugs and alcohol... Isn't it expecting this? Yeah, but it's the right thing. There is something you can do. I think I'll be okay with this. Shh, here he comes. Congratulations! You can celebrate his recovery every chance you get. For drug and alcohol treatment referral for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Okay, we're back. Thank you for listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. If you're just joining us, the call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. And our guest tonight is best-selling author, Mr. Brian Lynch. Mr. Lynch, I wanted to ask you a question since we're talking about dignity. Right. There's so many young women. uh, We live in Tallahassee right now, and there's three colleges here. Mm-hmm. And there are so many women saying, um, I can't really afford to pay for my college, for my education. I can't, and the, and the jobs in the malls and the jobs all over the place, they want me to work long hours, and I can't really make the money that I need to to educate myself and to take care of my kids or whatever, if they have any. What about the women that are out taking their clothes off and stripping for money? Where is the dignity in that? There's none. And, and and let me say this. Everybody that you talk to, that females that says that, there's always an uh, answer for why they do what they do. They always say, well, I needed to make the money. Right. And 
people are always going to have excuse for whatever they do wrong just to um, allow themselves to believe it's okay. You know, if I if I run the stoplight and the police officer pull me over, I'm going to have an excuse, even though I know it, even though I knew it was wrong. I'm going to tell him, okay, well. I don't think it would change before I get there, or no, I don't think I ran it, or you know, if I had stopped, the person behind me would have hit me in my back, or you know, there's so many different excuses that I could give him. You know, so we try to find all kind of different excuses when it's easier for us to put our dignity aside, aside and do something that is not dignified of us to do. And the question to that is, is it worth it? You know, some people might think it's worth it, but no, it's not, because you're always living that lie, not just to yourself, but to others. And I think in the long run, it affects affects them in a great way. You know, it's just a very few people that, will, that are willing to admit it. Mm-hmm. And you know, some people, you know, no matter how much money they make from it, you know, you always see most of them ends up in um, drug-related problems or alcoholic problems, you know, simply because they have to find something to pacify the thought of what they're doing because they have to, they know they have to lower their consciousness for them to do what they're doing because they they already perceive it as something that is undignified. Yes. And let me let me say this Mr. Lynch and, and uh, I want you to chime in. A lot of women right now and and I'm not we're not attacking anyone. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just talking about something that 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 no one is talking about in the schools and the churches and 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 you know, at the, the the dinner table, no one is talking about this. But a lot of women that are that did this have gone on and they have great careers, mm-hmm. and they're just beating themselves up about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's done, it's over with, and I think that you know it's done. They just need to move right. and, and graduate from it and know that okay, I did it. I'm not going to continue to beat myself up over it because it's something that you just can't throw out your mind and say, "Well, I didn't do." All right. You you know what I mean? So right. and 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 there's always someone that's going to always remind them of what they did and how they got through and how they got over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost uh, to say someone will tell them, "Oh, you have a tainted career." Right. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And People need to realize that, hey, if I used to smoke or if I used to steal or if I used to do, you know, whatever, and at some point I came to the realization that, hey, this is wrong, even, you know, not even come to the realization. I come to the realization that, hey, I don't need to do this. I need to stop doing this. And once you can admit to yourself that, I need to make a U-turn and head the opposite direction of what where I'm going now. Don't allow society or even yourself to keep bringing you back to what you used to do. As long as you're not sneaking and doing it every now and then, then this is no longer you. Right. You know, because none of us is perfect. No one no one is perfect. We all have done things that when we look back, I wish I never had done that. I wish there was some way I could go back and undo this. So not until you are able to forgive yourself and let it go and put it behind you, don't expect society to do the same. And once you have done that, it makes it so much easier for you to deal with the negativity that you're going to get from society. And the best way to deal with society is, you know, tell me what is it that 
you have never done, and you you have no regret in your life about anything that you have ever done, and, and then you can complain about mine. And you know, no, there's no one right. that, can, like the that, that can say that. And he who is without sin casts exactly. a stone. <laughs> you know exactly. But Mr. Lynch, let me ask you about this because here's the other side to that. What about the guys who are like, who are, you know, manipulating these women and pimping them, and you know, have them doing all these things, you know, because I can remember in my younger years when I was out there in the world and I would go to these places where they would have the, you know, where they'd have a party and they'd have some strippers at the party, and these guys are, you know, that are in charge of the strippers. I guess is that's what you want to call them. Mm-hmm. You know they're they're standing to the door and they're like we're collecting the money, and, you know, and and you already know because they're collecting the money right. that they're literally not giving these girls anything. So they're working hard and these guys are just standing there making the money. Right. You know, I mean, and so you have these guys that are manipulating them and you know, and again, I already know the answer to this question, but where's the dignity in that? You know, right. you're you're almost, you know, in a sense forcing someone to do something not necessarily against their will, but maybe against their good moral choices. And then you're making a percentage off of their morality choice. Right. And and, and to the man who think a woman has to be on her back for him to see her need, this is what I have to say to you. And I'm reading from the book right now because mm-hmm. this is something that I've, I've, you know, talk about in the book. It says, you say you're a man, but because she didn't let you kiss her on the first date, you don't want to be bothered. You said you're a man, and being very noble of her current situation, being with two kids and without a job, and because you asked her for sex and she says no, you refer- you refuse to buy her something to eat? You said you're a man, but whenever you see her, the only thing you think about is what's between her legs? You said you're a man of dignity and integrity. But you put your hands on her one more time, and we won't be waiting for the police. You said you're a man, but as soon as she turns her back, every hole from the neighborhood is in her bed. You said you're a man, but when it comes time to settle an argument, all you want to do is to forget about it. You said you're a man, but instead of loving the mother of your kids, you criticize her for gaining a few pounds. You said you're a man of your word, but your words have been proven worthless. You said you're a man, but spending time with her doing the things she wants to do is never on your agenda. You said you're a man, but she's always home alone while you're out with the boys. No, not your sons. I'm talking about the rest of the so-called men who think like you do. You said you're a man, but whenever she finally gets you to go somewhere with her, she ends up regretting it because you owe because of the way you pay more attention to every skirt tail that passes. You said you're a man, but you think it's beneath you to call and say I love you every now and then. You said you're a man, but you still think that making her breakfast and helping with the kids is not a man's job. But then again, you're right, because it's not a job. It's his responsibility. You said you're a man, so why is it always her turn to do the dishes? You said you're a man, but you left, but you left her with her your unborn child because you didn't want to be, you didn't want the responsibilities. You said you're a man, but going to the store and buying her female products is too feminine for you. You said you're a man, but if she had, if she was to have her time of the month and was unable to help herself, you would prefer to call the neighbor's wife to help her. You said you're a man. But still you flirt with all her friends, even with, even when she's there. You said you're a man, but doing her laundry, yes, even her personal items, the very one you like to see her wear, you wouldn't dare touch them now. You said you're a man, but she's not able to relate her innermost thoughts to you. You said you're a man, but as soon as she capitulates to you, you use it as an opportunity to subjugate her to your own standards. You said you're a man, but the only way for a woman to get anything from you is when she lays on her back. You said you're a man, but you 
but you never one day take the kids and try to experience what it is to be a mother. You said you're a man, but your dinner better be there when you get home, or else, or else what, boy? You said you're a man. Oh yeah, the man of the house. That's because she's a female, and your son is your son is too young to take over from his mother doing everything, while you sit and watch TV. You said you're a man, but as soon as you found out she has kids, you lost interest in her. You said you're a man, but when she told you she wanted to wait until marriage before having sex, you made her felt like the dog you are. You said you're a man, but paying her rent without her giving into your sexual demands is a problem. You said you're a man. What? Boy, please. A man would never... Never dishonor a woman's nobility. Instead, he would be ready to set her on a pedestal and love her endlessly. And, you know, oftentimes you find men that say, I'm a man. And that's why you see I use those words so many times. You know, you said you're a man. You know, so why is it mm -hmm. that you can't do this? Huh? You said you're a man. So why is it that you can't do that? You know, are you listening to me? You said you're a man. <laughs> you know, so why is it that you, you know, she's always doing that? Huh? You said you're a man. So why is it that if she asks you for $20, she has to subjugate herself to such low standards to get $20? And you said you're a man? Huh? Is that what men have come to? I think not. <laughs> you know? Do you, Mr. Lynch, do you think that that's just part of the game? I think that what society has come to is that, you know, as I've always said, that men need to step back up to a higher standard of life. Because basically, in some ways... Now, until we, 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 we focus more on men as being leaders that they're supposed to be, what we're, going, what we're dealing with will never change. Because women basically are saying that, hey, I don't want to live like this. But every man I meet is not much different from the next one before. You know, if he buy her something, and, you know, the chapter goes on further down in the chapter. It says that if he buy her something to eat or pay her rent or even pick her up, give her a ride to go to work, he's expecting some sexual favors. Do you think uh, that... And, and, I'm sorry, go ahead. You know, so to answer your question, it, it it's... It's a it's a matter of the standard of the person, and we need to start teaching men how to be men. And it's sad to say that because men, you know, how can you say you're a man when you 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 know something is wrong, but you're still doing it? You know. Yeah. I, I, what I was going to ask you was, do you think? that the women um, that date these particular type of men, do you think they see the flags and they think, well, I can change him from this. I, I, I can change him and mold him into the man that I want him to be. In a lot of cases, they do, and it's unfortunate. And in, in some cases, you know, women settle because they say, hey, ain't no better out there. Mm. You know, that's, that's what a sad I, statement. Yeah. Might, might as well I, I keep this one because ain't no better out there. As le at least he's not hating me. You know? He may not have a job and right. he may not really love his kids, but at least he's not going upside my head and they, they use that right. as a consolation. Right. Like that's any better. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Or at least he's not cheating on me. Hmm. You know, and I and I dare to say that if he's not loving you right, he is cheating you. <laughs> of course. Because you know? cheating cheating is more than just sexual sexual relationship with someone else. Because even if he's not with someone else, 
if you're not getting it, then you're being cheated out of what you're expected. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be living at home with someone, and if he's sleeping in the sofa and you're sleeping in the bedroom, then you're cheated. You're being cheated out of a husband. Mm. Because that's not, I'm sure that was not the intention you had when you got married. Right, right. You know? Mr. Lynch, we're going to take another break, and then we'll be right back. Okay. Yo, Dad, have I told you how proud I am of you? Hey, thanks, son. What did I do? I think you're eating extra vegetables and snacking on apples. Just trying to stay healthy by eating my nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day. I even saw you slip carrot sticks in your gym bag. You noticed that? I sure did. Well, that's what you've got to do to stay healthy and fit. <laughs> and that's why you're my hero, my role model, my shining all right, star. All right, what do you want? The car, some cash, and your old school CD. <laughs> oh, my son. A message from the Department of Health and Human Services. Hello, my name is Deborah Akbar, and I've lived the last 18 years as a C7, C8 quadriplegic as a result of a very bad car accident that happened in 1990. But today that's about to change because I have found the Brucker Biofeedback Treatment started by Dr. Bernard S. Brucker at the Miami Jewish Home and Hospital. Now, unfortunately, even though he's had a 98% success rate, this procedure is not performed anywhere in Ohio nor is it covered by insurance. So I'm raising money so that myself and my family can get down to Miami to have this much-needed procedure so that I can possibly walk again. If you would like to send a donation, please send it to Deborah Akbar Treatment Fund, Post Office Box 210034, South Euclid, Ohio, 44121-7034. Thank you. Daddy, we need to have that talk. What? I'm not a kid anymore. I need to know things. Like? Like why so many black men have diabetes, high blood pressure, and cancer. I'm worried, Daddy. I know. Folks like me are at high risk, but eating nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day can reduce that risk. And those are the facts of life, baby girl. <laughs> oh, so eating your nine a day is a good thing to do, huh, Daddy? Right. Sort of like you letting me date Maurice? Wrong. A message from the Department of Health and Human Services. We're back with the Abundant Solutions Hour, and tonight's guest is Brian Lynch. Mr. Lynch. Yes, I'm here. You know, we were talking earlier about, you know, what, what, you know, are you still a man, or you say you're a man, you know, but what about the flip side of that? Mm-hmm. You know, you say you're a woman, but right. you allow yourself to be victimized right. by this, mm-hmm. and you know, I. Before you answer that, I want to go to the callers, because I think one of our callers is definitely going to ask that question. Okay. Caller from the 407 area code, are you there? Yes, I'm here. It's Kimberly. Hey, welcome again. Thank you. You have a comment or a question? I have a comment that will lead to a question. Okay. Okay, um... Some call it a generational curse. Some call it out of ignorance or stupidity. But whatever it is, it's in my lineage. I watch my mom, my aunties, my my cousins, myself. I married an addict. He happened to be nine months clean when I met him in the recovery house. And I thought that, that meant that he was cured. So I continued to date him. I even married him, walking down the aisle, shaking my head no, and looking at my daughter who was crying and shaking her head no. And I knew not to do this, but I continued to walk down that aisle feeling like I didn't want to give up on him and I didn't want to turn my back on him like so many others had. Mm-hmm. And um, I married him, and he ended up molesting my daughter, and it, the whole world fell apart. And... um and um, I got involved with a married man in March uh, when my mom passed out of that grief. And then my daughter ended up um, getting pregnant out of the grief from my mom. 
I mean, I, I say to her, how, 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 how did you do this, get pregnant? Because she knows, I mean, she's watched me be a single mom, and uh, I, I, I tried to educate her best I could and do with everything that I needed to do and say, and she went to all kinds of little um little church things like, uh, you know, wait till you're married and, and sex can wait and blah, 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 love, you know, all of that stuff. So how do you reverse this? It just seems like a, I just want to know how to stop it, how to nip it. Okay. Well, first you have to go to your daughter and say, hey, I've made some mistakes in my life. And possibly because of the mistakes that you saw me make, they are transcending to what to the decisions that you are making. I set a bad example for you, and I'm terribly sorry for that. I am in the process of correcting as much as of the mistakes that I can. And once you start pointing out the mistakes that you made, she will realize that this is not normal for the simple fact that, as you said, you knew it was wrong what you were doing. Marrying, marrying him, you know, what, you were walking down the aisle and you knew it was wrong. And she saw that, and she was saying no. But yet she saw her mother did something that within herself she knew it was wrong. So after a while, you know, as much as she thought it was wrong, she started to think, okay, well, if, if mommy do it, it must be okay. So not until you go to her and say, hey, listen, all these things that I did, I realized where I was wrong, and I'm starting to deal with that. I'm admitting that these things were wrong, and I do not want you to base your life based on what you saw me did. Because if you don't do that, she's going to continue to make the same mistakes that you made. Because kids, 90% of kids, if not more, tend to emulate the things that they saw from their parents. And unless you correct that now, it will not get better. So that is the first step that you need to make. And then help, you know, possibly you and her together can seek counsel for this situation. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Mr. Lynch, I want to ask the caller a question. Sure. Uh, Kimberly, what type yeah. of relationship did you and your mother have? Hardly any. I mean, when she was sober, we had, we, I enjoyed her so much when she was sober. She was like my hero, and then I became her enabler when she was drunk and couldn't function and couldn't pay the bills, um, not because of lack of money, but because um, um, her mind was muddled by then. Right. And... You see, it's a general, generational thing. You know, she saw it with, possibly saw it with her grandparents, and now you, and then it's, it's, it's. She's going through that now. And as I said earlier, for you to stop that, how old is she now? She's eighteen, and she had a baby in December. Uh huh. And you know, once you can point out to her your mistakes, I guarantee you that will help her. Because just knowing that mom can say, you know what, I made some mistakes, that helps. That will prevent her from making the same mistakes. And, and, and preventing, because within her subconsciousness, you know, some way at the front of her mind, she's saying these things are wrong. But at the back of her mind, it, it's saying no, because mom did it and mom is okay. You know, so not until you can go to her and say, you know what, all these things that I went through, I'm still hurting from that. You know, I might look like I'm a strong person, you know, because people often try to hide their, their true hurt, mm -hmm. especially from their kids. You know, and no doubt that you're doing that now. You know, I don't need to ask you that to know that. Mm -hmm. You know, so not until you can go to her and say, hey, I'm hurting inside. And and this is what it's costing me, and I do not 
wanted to cost you not even half of what it cost me. Yes. Mr. Lynch, do you think it's a, a wise idea uh, for Kimberly to focus uh, focus her attention on her daughter's dreams and her goals? Do you think that will help in any way as far as her taking the pain out of some of the bad decisions she's made? Do, do you think that would would channel her in the right direction to say, okay, my mom made some errors, my grandmother made some errors, but this is going to stop with me. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to go after. And if she holds those dreams and those goals dear to her heart, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the decisions that she probably would make, she probably won't make them now because she's protecting that dream and she's protecting her goals and she's going after them full force. Do you think that's probably a good idea at this point? To What she can do, you know, because it's, it's just a matter of how you approach it. She's 18 now, and most kids figure, well, I'm 18, I'm an adult. The most you can do is talk to her. Do not try to, you know, you have to be cautious of the words you use. Do not use words like, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. Just basically go to her and say, hey, this is what I went through, and these are the consequences that I had to face because of the choices that I made. And she's at the age where she can look at those choices that you made and the consequences that you paid and make her own decision. You know, as long as you put that out there and allow her to make her choices. That's the only way it's going to work for you and her. Kimberly, do Some you have... Parents, say again? I'm, I'm sorry, I was asking Kimberly, does she have anything to, that she wanted to add to that? I went to counseling for being a, an enabler um, about five years ago. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he said... I told him I was going to move, and he told me, he said... um, um you can move, he said, but I'm telling you that you are you are a codependent or you know, it's in you and that if you don't get some help for it, if you don't nip it in the bud, you're gonna be that way for the rest of your life and he warned me. And I was thinking, okay, well, I'll be prepared because I was thinking on the terms of a man coming back into my life, but then I had a female come into my life and I thought of her as a sister. And she lived off of me for a couple for a while. You know, wouldn't work or anything. And so I know that is in me. Um, I just have this thing where I just naturally will take over and and help and and I have a deep desire to help. So all my kids have that same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing it as a good thing, but it's probably I know that it isn't because that's how she got pregnant. We we were helping this young man try to get on his feet. I offered him a place to stay, and um, I'm just handing down this this garbage to him. Mm-hmm. So it's time to really get some serious help to stop this enablement of of grown people. Right. And it has to stop somewhere, and, you know, you have to, as I said, talk to her and just basically put it out there. And when you went to council, was she with you? She had her separate session. And I usually don't advise that, you know, because you do separate counseling, but at some point both of you need to talk to the same person and hear from each, you know, one person, one counselor need to hear what both of you are going through and then see the comparison and then be able to deal with the issue. Because right now I'm just going based on what you're telling me, not saying that what you're saying is not how the story is. But we all have our different sides to to you know an incident, and plus she's the daughter, so 
you know, what you're going through might not be the exact same thing that she's going through. She might be dealing with it in a, in, in a it might be similar, but in her own different way. Yeah. So the best thing to do is for both of you to talk to the same person and highlight, you know, even if he asks, because some experts will put, will have a one-on-one with you, then have a one-on-one with her, then bring both of you in the same room and then allow you to tell her what you're going through and then allow her to do the same. And then for both of you to be on the same page and then deal with the issue from there. And I think that's the best way to deal with it. But both of you going to two different pe- two different people, you know, there's no, I don't see anywhere where you're coming together because you're talking to one person and she's talking to another person, and especially when these are paid paid um, counselors, you know, I hate to see, say this on um, national radio, but I've st- done a study on paid counselors, and paid counselors tend to tell you pretty, you know, they 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 help you. I'm not saying they don't help you. But the help is not always 100% impartial. Let me put it that way. Okay. Okay? Because I don't want to create any damage, so let me put it that way. Say The, the help is not always 100% impartial. So the best thing to do is for you to find one person who can bring both of you together and take the issue from there. And I will be glad to do it over the phone because I I don't think this is an issue that I cannot deal with over the phone because I've done it on many cases with married people. Okay. You know, so you can um, contact Brian and he'll give you my information and we'll take it from there. And I know that they're, they're all angry for different reasons. Taylor's angry because it's her father that did the molestation. And Tanisha's angry because it happened to her. And Tashana is angry because I didn't listen when she said not to marry him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of anger going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I said, it's going to take you as the adult because they're still your child. It's going to take you as the adult to make the initial move and say, okay, well, this is where I went wrong. And parents, you know, are very reluctant as far as going to a child and say, this is where I went wrong. Because in some way, in some ways, it takes away the power of you being the parent, you know, depend based on the child. Because they're saying, and if you can talk to your child in the right way, and that's why I say I recommend talking to someone, doing it with someone, because when you do it that way, you'll get a better result. You know, because it takes a strong person to admit when they're wrong. And that is why it's important for that counselor to talk to the child and let them realize that, hey, if mommy admit that she was wrong about something, it doesn't necessarily mean that she's going to be wrong about everything else in the future. You know, because yes. oftentimes parents hesitate on accepting where they're wrong with a child because they figure it's going to compromise any future decision. Mr. Lynch. We, yeah. we have. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Lynch and Kimberly. Mr. Lynch, I'll get Kimberly's number for you. We have about 50 seconds, Mr. Lynch, left. If you right. would, please give out your contact information, and I will definitely give uh, Kimberly's information to you, so you can get in contact with her and continue the counseling and just just help her as much as you can. Right now, we're down to about 30 seconds. Okay. Um, the book. The Rules to Love can be found on barnesandnoble.com. It's 
The Rules, R-U-L-E-S, The Rules to Love, can be found on barnesandnoble.com. If you're going going through relationship issues, it's a good book for you. If you're getting into a relationship, it's a good book for you to get. All right. um, All right. Thank you so much, and uh, God bless everybody who's listening in, and we look to to hear from you, and, and I know you want to hear from us on Wednesday night. God bless. This has been the Abundant Solutions Hour. Thank you. Okay.